0: You violated the law.
1: It's the full preview
0: podcast, UFC 278.
1: Hey everyone, welcome to another preview pod uh, for the upcoming UFC pay per view. Um, Kamara Usman is fighting Leon Edwards in a rematch for the UFC welterweight title in a fight. We may have a surprisingly large amount of things to say about, but, um, anyways, as usual, I have to preface this by saying, I apologize in advance. I was not able to do tape study over every one on this card because I have a real life job that is trying to fucking kill me right now, but I've done my best to be prepared at least for some of the top ones. Um, but then again, this card is, like, solid. It's definitely not bad, per se, unlike a certain other main pay-per-view that's coming up in, like, a month. But anyways, I, I got nothing else to say. Fenyo, how are you? I'm doing fine, I'm
0: doing fine. Uh, yeah, um, from the bottom, going up, uh, surprisingly good fights. Uh, it, it it strangely goes, like, downhill in the middle, and then gets back to good um I would say the the prelims are are surprisingly solid in this one and then in the main card you have some what the fuck moments <laughs> but but yeah we we will talk about those as we go along um so yeah um, as Dan told me he didn't get to do tape study on the first two fights um but I did so I'll do I'll talk about those right now. Um, And those are pretty good, actually. Um, So, the opener for the card, at least according to topology right now, is Victor Altamirano versus Daniel Da Silva. And this is at flyweight. And this should be fun. Uh, So, Altamirano is like a long, janky boxer. Uh, Has good straight punches. He crushes into the clinch or changes levels. uh, And he uses that as defense. So, he's... He has like this system of like sleeping and, and weaving into level changes and clinches. Um one of the problems he has is that he's very like lead foot heavy, so he's he's prone to being kicked in the leg. Um but he has a, a pretty good body kick himself from the open stance. He has good eyes since single shots, but but his movements his movements on the defense are kinda big, so he can get countered in the pocket. Um once he enters the clinch he has like decent uh, head positioning, he's active with clinch, uh, he, one of his problems is that he can be taken down and once in the in the ground he like, he doesn't play guard but he stays in the close guard waiting for the moment to get up, he's not like super urgent about uh, getting up and that's a theme that we will see about some other fighters here in the prelims. Uh, da Silva on the other hand is like a long po kicker, both these guys are very big for flyweight by the way. Uh, he's mostly about the the rear rackhouse kick to the body to the leg to the head, and he has a, a pretty good like lead front kick. Um, he uses a lot of energy in the clinch, like he's not a very technical wrestler, but he's physical, and he likes to find the the back in those in those moments in the clinch. And once he's in the back, like he has the option like going for takedowns or back takes. Um, He is a guard player once he gets taken down. He's all about triangles and embers and goes all in on them. Usually doesn't use them to get back to his feet. And he's not very urgent either about uh, getting up. Uh, And he's kind of stiff on the feet. That's his thing. Like, he maintains a very long distance with the kicks. He obviously punches very hard because he's a good athlete, but doesn't have much of a boxing game to say of... Uh, on this one, I think Altamirano, who is long himself, like, will probably figure his way, uh, to the inside of the Silva, and and I don't know his his style seems like better better made to deal with a, with a fellow long fighter. So I'm taking Altamirano by decision on the, on that one. And moving on to the next one, we'll do this short because there's a ton of fights, on this on this pay per view. Uh, we move up one division to Bantamweight, and we have Orishi Lang versus Jay Perrin. Orishi Lang is like very powerful, athletic, but kind of stiff kickboxer, you know the type. Um, he has like surprisingly good eyes in the pocket, like that like he sees shots coming and can can counter them, even if uh, the, the defensive movements he has are not very polished. He's more. He leans back a lot, but he can slip a punch here and there. Uh, the thing that, uh, comes to mind when it comes to Richie Lang, other than being powerful and athletic, is that he goes to the body and the legs super hard. Uh, especially he has, like, a leaping leg like, foot to the body and calf kicks, and he can put those in combination, so he's con- constantly attacking all three levels, and that's, that's, like, pretty good for him. Uh, Perry on the other hand, is, like, uh, a guy that like, probes with the java distance, but he likes to close distance with shifting combinations. And he is actually pretty good with them. Um, he also, like, puts, uh, like, level combinations, like, goes to the body, to the head. and But the thing is that he gets, like, he's too offensively minded, so he can get countered uh, when he's when going in. Um, he also, like, uh, likes uh, converting those shifts into clinches. And he can attack with nister. Um, has a pretty decent, like, uh, double leg from open space and he's very scrappy and tough. Um, but he's not very big for pentamweight and, and he's not very physical. I've seen him, like, getting overwhelmed in the clinch. I think on this one, like, the physicality for Auri Shileng will be, like, the, the deciding factor. Um, it's going to be trouble for Perrin, who, as I already said, I've seen being outmatched in the clinch. Uh, and also like uh the difference in power. Like Perrin is a decent hitter, but Orichi Lang has that like a spring stiff power. Uh, if the fa- the longer the fight goes, I think Perrin will fight uh openings because he as I said he's very tough and very good cardio. Leng, I've seen gas before, but I think Leng will have like uh a very he will get a, a pretty decent head start, and I think that will be enough to win a decision. So yeah, those are the, the two opening fights. The, they're pretty good, actually. I, I'm, I was surprised. They're pretty decent. Um, and now we go back to Flyweight, and this one should be good, too. It's Amir Albasi versus Francisco Figueiredo, that most of you will know as being the brother of Davidson. Uh, Want to talk about this one, then? Um, yeah, to an extent.
1: So, I think, uh, young Francisco Figueredo is, in many ways, budget kind of Davison. You can tell he likes to do very similar tricks with, like, rhythm manipulations, with subtle feints and, like, reactive kicks at a distance, and to, like, force you into resets and then out of your stance to attack you. His problem is that, like, he's consistently, like, sometimes throwing himself out of position, so he gets caught into, um, lots of ground scrambles and can effectively kind of be stuck in chain wrestling by his opponent. Though he's very, very aggressive on the ground when it comes to looking for subs. It's kind of a problem that he kind of gets put there anyways. I don't really know how that goes against al because Albazi seems kind of competent, like, um, on the feet. He's a little heavy on, like, both of his legs and, um... And he, d- despite fighting with a lot of urgency, his main bread and butter is behind his like counter check hook at closing the door and applying his lead hand. But the thing is, every single time he comes in behind his lead hand, that makes it pretty easy to catch him because it'll hop in as he throws it. And he does that for n- like 95% of the times he jabs anyways. And there isn't really much of a rear hand game from him. So although he's definitely tough and urgent and seems competent wherever he goes. I think, like, he may struggle against an opponent who can really punish his mistakes like Figueredo. So, I, I, I'm not too positive on Albazi here. I kind of feel like Francisco may have this. What do you think?
0: Um, I I disagree a little bit. Uh, So, the thing with Albazi is that he likes pressuring. Um, He's not, like, very, very big on the on the gaugecraft side of things, but he's good at staying mm-hmm. on an opponent. Like he doesn't cut uh, angles that diagonally a lot, but he sidesteps a lot. So he makes sure to stay on the face of the opponent. Uh, one thing that I like is that uh, he pressures behind the jab, uh, the low kick, but also feints. Mm-hmm. Um, the reactive defense is not very good. And that's very dangerous against Figueiredo because he's very sharp out of the gate. And, and like, yeah, the sniper, he's it's uh, like an apt nickname. Because he's very good at finding, like, those long shots. He's very accurate. Fun um, fact,
1: there are actually two fighters on this card <laughs> with the nickname The Sniper. You, We will not review.
0: Who, who the, the other, other one, one is. <laughs> I think it's Sean Woodson, actually. <laughs> so, but the thing about a boss is that he's very tough. And, and when he gets the pressure going, like, uh, the defense gets a bit better when he has the initiative. He, has, he can, like, fade counter a lot. And I like the leg kicks, especially. Mm. Um, the leg kicks, uh, figure it is, like, kind of, like, well-prepared to deal with because he has, like, a very upright stance and he's a, a powerful kicker himself. Uh, but uh, there's some things I like about Obasi, especially the... It's not just the pressure, but it's also the pace, um, the toughness, the cardio, and he has, like... Very explosive double legs from open space. And those can surprise uh, Francisco. Especially because he has like a a narrower base than his brother. And I've seen Mm. him being taken down before. And he's a good scrambler. But if you can put him into like position, you can hold him there. I've seen that before. Um, I think Figueiredo will probably be very dangerous for Abasi earlier. But... But also like he will he will be very uncomfortable because he likes the, the slow pace. He likes the slow pace and pick his shots, moving around, um having like a relaxed fight where he can find the big shots. And Albasi won't won't give him that fight. I think he, he will stay on his face. It it's going to be dangerous for him early. Um so it's kinda hard to, to know what's going to happen. Obviously that's why we have the fights in the first in the first place, but but it's an interesting like clash of styles. Mm-hmm. Uh, Figueroa clearly has like more depth to to his game, but Albasi has like the process on his on his side. So it's a very interesting fight because both guys also very athletic, uh, pretty big for Flyway too. Um, I'm leading Albasini by decision. Are you picking Francisco? Yeah, I- I'll tentatively take it. I
1: defer to you since it sounds like you are um, more knowledgeable on Albazi's game than I am here. But um, yeah, I'll take Figueroa just to be a little different.
0: Yeah, it's uh, but it's a it's a it's a well matched fight. Uh, I'm looking forward to this one. Mm-hmm. Was these are kind of two guys who are um, probably like Dana
1: White contender series like level fighters because Fletcher came off of that. Fletcher's main thing is he throws pretty hard. Uh, but he does like to do a lot of feints to set things up. Um, but his best move is, like, usually the reactive double leg, typically. The thing about Fletcher that's a little cause for concern is that he does a lot of unnecessary kind of steps, movement, and feints to kind of create all these reads that he doesn't need to. Um, but I don't really think his opponent here is the kind of guy who will punish that, so... The the biggest problem with Luza is that he's unbelievably reactive to feints like he's constantly trying to l-step behind a jab but in the process he resets so much um in the moment you faint at him he'll instinctively hide behind his guard so he gives so much initiative away when his own feints don't work that it's kind of like as long as you recognize what he's trying to do it's sort of um it's sort of hard to take him seriously as a threat unless he cracks you, but I don't really think Fletcher, who kind of pushes for the initiative, is going to be kind of intimidated too much here. What do you think?
0: Yeah, uh, a big agree. Uh, I I actually wrote uh, the same thing about initiative. Uh, Lusa has big trouble maintaining initiative because he reacts so big to to his opponent's movements, and I think, uh, as you said, Fletcher has like. Very, bo- very big movements when it comes to to feints and setups, but I think those will play in his favor in this one because uh, Lusa like will will most likely will react big to most of them, especially because Fletcher has the power to make you respect those big movements. Um, Lusa might be uh, the more technical striker of the two, and he's bigger. Fletcher is kind of on the undersized, uh side of the welterweight but but i think fletcher is like too scrappy for him and and also like lusa gets uncomfortable when when people match him because he gets on the on the react- on the reactive side and he's pretty well rounded he can do it all he's he's a decent fighter but but he has trouble especially with people that push the pace um he had that tremendous fight with Jack Della in the contender series uh but he was i felt like he was always a step behind because of the of the pressure by Della uh Fletcher is like a more forgiving uh version of that matchup like he's he's not a, a, as dangerous and as nuanced of a striker as jack della la maddalena is but but he will also push the pace and he ha- he has uh, the takedowns and i think the takedowns will make Lusa very very tentative more than he usually is i think this fight will be very scrappy but the the aggression and the initiative for uh, by fletcher will win him the fight i'm picking him by decision what do you think then likewise
1: yeah um All right, so our next one is uh, Women's uh, 125 Flyweight. Miranda Maverick is fighting Shauna Young. Uh, um, I I had a hard time kind of understanding Maverick's game. I think I had watched her a few months back, but I don't quite remember. But she strikes me as kind of someone who's willing to, like, play around with blitzes but struggles when the other opponent's kind of a better athlete or kind of larger than her. She is willing to kick, but her, like, bread and butter is, like, she really likes to engage in the clinch and kind of grind them down into the ground. Um, Against Young here, Young's problem is immediately in this matchup is that she gets drawn into the clinch very easily and can be smothered there pretty quickly. Everyone who's tried uh, does it. And she seems to particularly struggle when the other person is also, like, leading the fight or controlling rhythm at distance. At the very least, though, she seems really strong and extremely hard to tire. So those are the things that may help her here. But it te- it, there's kind of a technical disparity that it's a bit of a problem, I think, for her here.
0: Yeah, I think uh, Maverick uh, Maverick's game is better put together. Like as you said, he she likes like the the long range kicks that help her because she's. Pretty short for the division. Uh, Young will have like a, a decent like length advantage in this one. But but Maverick like will be able to compete with Young on the on the kicking side. Like Young likes the the karate kicks that can be very dangerous. She likes to flurry into head kicks and that kind of stuff. But I think Maverick's like leg kicks and and body kicks will be more useful uh in an attrition war on that side. And as you said, like Young is big, Is she's big, she's strong, but but the the depth of technique in the clinch is not there, and that's where, like, Maverick shines most of the time. Maverick is used to deal with uh, tall opponents in the clinch, so I don't think that's going to be much of a problem. Um, and also, like, Maverick, pretty decent cardio. And, and once on the ground, like, I, I've, I've not seen, like, a lot of promise by Young in the in the way of getting back to her feet, so... I think mm-hmm. the longer the fight goes, Maverick will like figure her game out and just grind her. Especially if she gets takes down going, the the fight will get pretty lopsided, I feel. Uh, but it's a good test for test for Maverick, I feel, because as you said, like young, uh she's long, she's she might not be very technical in the but she's very strong and can maintain a good base. So Maverick will, will have to work hard for those for those takedowns, especially early. Um, I'm still, like, siding with Maverick by decision on this one. Yeah, I've no reason to disagree. Um, so we're moving to featherweight here. It's the other sniper, it's Jan Woodson versus Luis Saldana. Um, so yeah, I mean, Woodson is very, very long. She's not only, like, super tall, he has, like, extremely long limbs. Uh, he's like a boxer mostly. He can kick, but he likes to fight behind uh, a jab. He has a pretty good jab and can put combinations together if the if his opponent gets too reactive. Um, so he has like those two moves. He snipes from the distance with the with the one two, and while he gets close, he's actually pretty good at landing hooks for a long guy. Uh, the big problem with Woodson is Ringcraft. like. Most people have no trouble pushing him back, and he gets, like, his back flat against the cage. Um, It's very troublesome, and uh, his big reactions uh, make him, like, lose composure against people that are actually good at feigning and reading where he's moving. Um, But if you don't do that, Goodson is very dangerous, because... He's long. He knows how to use the length, and if he gets up in close, he actually has resources there. He can he can put combinations together very well because he he's a very relaxed puncher, and he can go hard to the body, and that's always good. Uh, Saldana, on the other hand, is like a a long. He's pretty long too, not as long as Woodson, and he's like a switch stance hitter. He's dynamic. Uh, he shots a lot. He doesn't put a lot of combinations together, but he's pretty decent at counter if he can get a good read of distance. Um, he also has like very very good timing on the react- reactive takedowns and has like decent finishes. Like he can he can turn the corner. He can run the pipe if he grabs a, a single. Uh, the problem is, is he's not very good at at maintaining guys on the ground. Um, he's decent at getting the back while when guys are getting up. The problem with that is that Goodson is very good at using the fact that he's so long to just get up and make hard for people to get any kind of control because he just three like, super spread out and just get back to his feet. Um... I feel like Saldana might get some stuff going with the leg kicks and the reactive takedowns, but but the problem is that he's not like an avid feiner, and I and the the activity is too low. I think for Trouble Woodson, what do you think? Yeah, I feel like um, for starting with Woodson, I agree on basically everything.
1: The ring craft is the biggest problem. I'd also point out his footwork kind of loses um, his positioning consistently. He, especially because he'll overextend on particular shots. That's a big reason why he gets backed up to begin with because he's so focused on, like, staying in the pocket as opposed to his positioning. Uh, um, But his feints and counters are his main tools. It means he's kind of deceptively a little stiff on the center line, and but he's good at catching shots and hard to hit due to his length. Um, He gets a little reckless when he gets... It's aggressive, though, and gets caught on the counter sometimes, which might play into Saldana's game because Saldana does like to punish things behind kicks and jabs on resets, particularly. Having said that, though, um, Woodson's uh, pressure and uh, focus to the body and willingness to teep back, especially off the front leg, um, might pose a big distance kind of trouble for Saldana here. Um, So... It might be a bit of a weird fight at first in regards to positioning, especially, if both guys try to um, push for their games. I think Saldana's, uh willingness to kind of concede to more of an outfight might help Woodson kind of cover up those ringcraft areas and move forward, and I would trust Woodson's pace to kind of take control of that fight. Um, It's... It, the the one question would be the reactive shots, like you pointed out, because I did see Saldana does like to play with a missed overhand into kind of a reactive shot kind of thing, um, so I, I don't know how that'll play out, but um I feel like th- this is the kind of fight where the dynamic is going to show up as it goes l- longer, I think, and if it becomes kind of a higher-paced kind of fight that's built upon attrition, that might be a problem for Saldana here. So I'm not 100% sure, um, but it kind of feels like Woodson has a bit of the better tools on the feet to win this one.
0: Yeah, I think, like, like, Woodson has, like, pretty clear flaws, but I don't feel like a lot of fighters at the division can beat him, like, being reactive. I think, like, the clear path to beating Woodson is being proactive yourself and punish him for being out of position. Uh, Saldana has the tools for punishing him, but he doesn't have the base to to find him in those in those spaces constantly. Uh, and as you said, the, the longer it goes, I think Woodson, uh, especially putting money in the bank with the body shots, and will have the edge on that one. Also, I've seen Saldana gas. Woodson' uh, gas tank is not uh, great either, but. As I said, he's like a relaxed puncher and goes to the body a lot. So if I got to trust someone in the long run, it would be Woodson. Mm-hmm. I'm picking Woodson like by knockout on the second round. I'll take the third. Okay, that that sounds
1: good. Yeah. So up next we have um, a women's uh, bantamweight fight between Lucy Poldilova and Yanon Wu. So, um, I, I didn't watch a lot of footage of either, but basically my read is this. So, Buda Lova likes to play with the neutral range behind the jab to set up a right or check hook counter, specifically. Her head is a little stiff on the center line when she throws her rear hand, so she kind of crosses her feet a bit, but she has a decent enough sense of rhythm behind the jab, especially when she establishes it, that she can usually interplay the right straight or ch- lead check hook pretty consistently. So, she's a little difficult to out-position. That said, no one's really tried kicking her, to my knowledge. Um, Wu tries be- to press behind a jab, but the biggest problem with her is that she's incredibly plodding with her footwork, and she'll compromise her stance constantly. So, if you've ever seen a Poodle Lava fight before, they're pretty slow, they're pretty uneventful, and I have a feeling this is probably going to be another one.
0: Yeah, um... Another thing going for Pudilova is that if you're not countering, she's she's just fine at extending like one-two combinations. As you said, she has a pretty d- decent like sense of rhythm, so she gets a little faints in between the combinations, and she just keeps landing. Uh, Wuyanan is like pretty slow, uh, but she can leg kick, and that should that should be interesting against Pudilova, like. She's very heavy on the on the front foot because she likes to be long and land with the jab. Um, Wuyanan has some resources in, in the pocket. She can counter. Um, she stays very composed. There, uh, her biggest problem is that uh, she's on the slower side, as uh, as I said already. Um, and Pudilova, like I I think the biggest problem for Yan'an here is that Pudilova stays pretty long. I don't think she will overstayed here, welcome in the pocket and i don't feel like uyanan will win like a leg kicking performance here uh, i think the logic uh the logic choice is pudiloa by decision here
1: mm-hmm. yeah i have no reason to disagree so um up next it is the jank heavyweight fight of the night no i'm uh, lying That i'm lying hold on we're <laughs> not there yet we're All not right. there yet we are at actually. I think this is potentially one of the best fights yeah, on the card. this, one, this one's um, good. So it's a lightweight bout um, between Jared Gordon and Leonardo Santos. So this fight's pretty interesting because um, it, it's kind of a question of like where Santos is at kind of at this point because he is up in age. Um, but Gordon himself isn't really a spring chicken. But these two guys are pretty good for what they are. And so, you'll probably see a lot of dynamics go on. So, Gordon, um, Gordon's whole thing is uh, he's kind of competent every single where um, that he's at. His main thing is he kind of likes to play around um, kind of with his rhythm behind his feints and counters. Um, and what he does is he usually like reads where his positioning is in relation to his opponent and tries to play into that um and so he's really good at catching opponents who are trying to get to him with single layer or like attacks or counters um and he's pretty good at engagements as the fight goes on identifying like little things like here's where he can um slowly try this one thing get into this other thing etc he fights pretty well in the clinch like prefers to like mix in collar ties sometimes into uppercuts Um, I think Gordon's biggest problems is that, like, um, he's, he doesn't really have an active kicking game, and he can kind of be drawn into those longer, like, setups when the opponent plays with rhythm that doesn't let him him really pursue momentum that much. Um, any kind of opponent with a transitional kind of offense or greater kind of tool- box of rhythm changes is kind of his nightmare. And the, the other thing is it means he, um, if someone is fainting back at him a lot, they can have a lot of success, because he is a little reactive when he's on the center line towards the pocket. Um, so Santos here, Santos's big thing is he likes to touch his way in, and he too is pretty good at reading, like, single layer attacks, and he's, has kind of a hair trigger for reading the center line and then countering the problem is, he he's a little too keen to try to counter immediately instead of out getting uh, a better position. So it means he'll overextend, especially on his rear hand, and likes to um, get caught. Though, it, it, it could work pretty well in his favor here, because um, Gordon's going to be looking for things, and Santos does like to return shots, just to not let momentum press, especially with kicks. So it's kind of um I, I think Santos's kicks if anything else are gonna be the biggest problem I think him uh, adamantly repositioning off their center line might be a problem for Gordon too because he's definitely the faster guy but um, I think as the fight goes on and Gordon maybe like starts mixing things up and maybe reading some things this could be a bit more intense so I, I'm not too sure how it might look like by then and who would win but I expect Santos to start better the question is what happens when it, like, goes on further.
0: Yeah, uh, Santos is very dangerous out of the gate. Um, he has a bit of wonky mechanics, but but he's very, very good eyes for counters. And and even if the hands look a bit weird, uh, his footwork on the counters is usually pretty good. He sets himself in pretty good position to lie. In. Clean hits that the opponent's don't see coming that's how he gets some of his knockouts and and he's very good from top position too on the ground. He has very solid jiu jitsu. Um uh Gordon as you said like mostly a boxer so if Santos gets like the the kicks going that could be interesting. I I'm not sure I trust Santos to push a pace anymore and that's kind of like the thing that Gordon does. Uh, Gordon doesn't have like uh, any like wow factor to take over fights, but but if he fi- if he finds things that work, he can keep going at them, and he can push a pace. He can he can push a, a pace for mm-hmm. sure, and he's very well rounded. So even if he he cannot overwhelm you in a single area, um, it's hard to overwhelm uh, him. Uh, on their return. Uh, Santos has the tools to, to overwhelm Gordon, uh, especially in the counter early with the kicks, as you said, and on in the ground, if he finds in top position, Gordon's uh, defensive grappling is very solid, but, but also I, I'm, I don't see like him, like easily reversing Leonardo Santos from the back. Uh, I mean, from the, from the bottom. Uh, the thing is that, I'm not sure I can trust Santos to push a pace and Gordon is like a, a pace fighter if he doesn't get like finished early with a counter he will like start figuring stuff out and prolong uh, the exchanges. Uh, he's a pretty good boxer. Um, he needs to be careful closing the distance against Santos because Santos is very good at, at angling and finding the, the kill shot but if it stays in the in the pocket for for long periods, um I can see Gordon starting to have success taking over the fight. Um uh, it's the dynamic is pretty interesting either way, I think. Um I'm leaning Gordon by decision on this one just mostly because I don't trust Santos at this stage.
1: Yeah, I, I'm a little tentative about Santos. I think he'll have a pretty good opening round. Um, but it all depends upon how much success he can sustain. And personally, I kind of don't trust him that much because Gordon is kind of decent at reading like little things and making them count.
0: I mean, the the process for Gordon is more sustainable at this stage of their careers, for sure. Yes. Yeah, so picking Gordon. But but this one is good fight. Uh, Leonardo Santos, when he's on point, he's very good. And Gordon is like... It's just like a a very well-rounded fighter with a well-put-together game. Um, He doesn't have, like, clear weaknesses. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: So it should be a good fight. So up next is... um,
1: How would I describe this? So it's probably the worst fight on this card. (laughs) Um, Light heavyweight Tyson Pedro versus Harry Hornsucker. And I'm just going to jump ahead to the conclusion... Harry Hornsucker, um, he throws with a lot of intention, mostly with hooks, but he is fighting in a division where everyone throws really, really damn hard, and so, and he doesn't have as good of a chin as everyone else. Tyson Pedro, even though he lost to 2019 Anorexic Shogun, (laughs) likes to play behind level changes to set up a check hook counter, but he can decently crack, so, uh... I'm going to say the guy with greater depth should
0: probably win here, question mark, which is Pedro. Yeah, I mean, Hunsaker is moving down. He's coming from heavyweight, so um, I think Pedro will feel, like, way too fast for him. Uh, Pedro has a decent, like, kicking game from the outside, and as you said, like, he has the check hook. Um, Other than that, if he goes to the ground, like, Pedro will probably just pound him, uh... Fonsogger has a has a chance because he's a big hitter but and Pedro is not himself the toughest guy out there. But but yeah, I mean if I uh, Pedro is the better athlete. Uh has uh he's the younger guy here. Uh, I think the the long layoff did him good. He he looked pretty pretty decent physically on his last fight even if he didn't get to to show a lot. Um but I, I just feel like he's a better athlete with a better, well-put-together game. There's not much to say here. It's I'm picking Pedro by finish on the first round. Yep. So we're moving one division up. So I'll, I'll let you introduce this one. <clears throat> so th- this is the residential jank fight of the card. Marcin,
1: Tabora... Um, Who is basically, as I've described in multiple podcasts now, the king of basically having the most bizarre, like, functional game at heavyweight. Um, where basically he can engage, like, K1 Ben Rothwell in, like, the highest paced heavyweight fight ever. I'm not even kidding. Um, so, Tabora, um... (sighs) I think the best way I can describe Tabora here is there's a lot of jank in his process, but he's pretty successful at making it work because he's consistently throwing different tools out there. And there's not really much else to say about that, mostly because his opponent and his whole gimmick, um, Romanov. Romanov, I don't know how to phrase this better than this, and this is not a nice way to put this at all, But Romanoff fights like he has no idea what he's doing until a level change forces a reaction. And then eventually it gets to the ground, question mark somehow. And then, like, he tries to, like, control positions or go to submissions. I don't know. It's very weird. I don't get it. But, um... I'm I'm a little tentative, despite Tibora being a bit on the older side, um, seeing how someone unless Romanov kind of can big brother him, uh kind of how Romanov can win this one, but what do you think, Fenya? Uh
0: I mean yeah, it's it's pretty like clear how this fight uh, goes either way, like what guys I think Tibora will have to survive early. I think Romanov will get a takedown like early, like super easily. <laughs> he's a little, like way too strong and and despite like being like big amplitude takedowns they are pretty like technically sound he knows he knows how, what he's doing um the thing the, the problem for Taivora I think is that uh even though he has like a pretty decent process despite the jank is that he's not uh the most dangerous heavyweight unless unless he gets mm-hmm. you tired uh, so i think romanov will have the fierce entry to the clinch or to the legs like pre- for free <laughs> And Taibura is a pretty decent grappler, so... Uh, it's on him to survive. The problem with surviving against Romanov is that Romanov has, like... An actual top game, unlike most heavyweights. And he has the size to keep you down, because hockey, huge fucking um, huge. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it will be interesting to see Taibura's approach. Um, I wonder if he's going to try to get... Uh, he looked pretty decent in that fight against Perdom like, getting up, but he ended up losing anyway. Perdom was pretty okay at the time still, so you know, not the, the harshest of judgments there. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the, the question is, does Saibura survive uh, early? Because I think Romanov has the first takedown, like, kind of guaranteed. Uh, we've seen Romanov uh, tire before. And Taibura takes over fights if you get tired, like that's his thing, <laughs> he beats you up once you get tired and despite the, the very strange mechanics, he has a pretty like uh, punishing game once you go there, uh, but have we seen Taibura like face this kind of matchup? Not really. Um, Like, something close to this was like Derek Lewis and he caught Taibura in transition and killed him. Uh, I'm not sure I trust. I mean, Taibura we've seen surviving ground-and-pound before, but Romanov also has submissions. Uh, Taibura, pretty good grappler, as I said, so is he going to defend? Is he going to try to get back up? Because if he gets back up, Romanov is going to put him on his ass again and again until he gets tired. Uh, Taibura should be like the—he's like the the more proven product, but I'm feeling like it's Romanov time. Uh, don't think Taibura will like being underneath him on this one. I'm just gonna say Fenyo's probably right on
1: everything here, <laughs> but I also oh hate Romanov's game and I like Tabora because uh, I'm an asshole. So I'm going to pick Tibora by let's, a
0: decision. Let's go. Pick Tibora. I'm, I'm all for that. Is it a good, is it a good pick? Fuck no, but I'm going to do it. Danny's always
1: going to pick uh, Tibora so. No, I won't, but that's okay. He's just not fighting anyone I
0: care about. I mean, you me you stuff. picked him against Volkov the last time and I told you I that.
1: know, but that's cuz I hate Volkov. That was a pretty bad, that was a pretty bad idea. <laughs> I know. I know, but I did that because one... I hate Volkov. This one is I'm, a this one is a more respectable pick than that one. So, <laughs> I I'm not I'm I'm sticking to my bad <laughs> principles. Thank you very much. <laughs> uh, let's so, move to the next one. Yeah. So, um, Jose Aldo at Bantamweight is taking on
0: Barab Vol- Um, Fenyo. Okay. So, are we going to be sad uh, on Saturday night? Um, i'm not i'm not sure uh if this was prime versus prime there there would not be a lot of uh analysis to make uh we we all know Aldo would kick the living shit out of the village really, but this is not Aldo's prime this is only thirty five years old but very very like a uh, worn shop Aldo um, but there are some interesting dynamics here. Um, uh, although as we've seen in the, especially in the Pedro Munoz fight, like he's very good at making like pace fighters do not fight at a high pace because he's still at this age very good at punishing your habits. Um, he's also hard to pressure because the footwork is very good. Um, he's a bit easier to push back to the cage uh, now at bantamweight. Uh, he he's more he's more willing to concede ground on on exchanges here and there, uh, but he still has like the the very good pivots the, the side steps uh, the feints and a lot of tools to get out of the cage when he needs to. Uh, the village Billy we saw him getting his He's very willing but not very polished uh, striking game very punished by Marlon Moraes on his last fight, a fight that, uh, where he he had to mount a comeback to win because Moraes cannot win fights anymore, so he died. Uh, the thing with uh, Merav that he has going on this fight is uh, pace. It's pretty clear Aldo doesn't like the high pace anymore. Uh, uh, a lot of people forget that Chito Vera in the final minute or so of their fight in the second round was getting pretty good to Aldo just like just like be a pace. Um Rough Font was having success with the pace too, but he has the trouble that he was dying every every, every round. So So yeah, I mean Aldo needs to punish um a big. But he also needs to do it so efficiently because uh if that if there's one thing that you cannot afford to do against mirab it's getting tired because his gas tank is absolutely insane he will keep pushing the pace and if you get tired he's gonna win he might not be the most dangerous or punishing fighter but he will put you on your ass time and time again he will start landing combinations because you're tired and he doesn't tire so the question is uh will aldo Uh, punish Mirab enough to slow the pace, and if he doesn't slow the pace, uh, are Aldo, like, technical tools enough to keep Mirab at bay and win a decision? And, I mean, this doesn't matter if Aldo gets a finish immediately, but... But, yeah. Uh, Another thing to consider in this one is that um, Aldo's... um, He's still very good at defending takedowns, but he needs to see them coming. Uh... The Village the Villa Billy is a, a very explosive wrestler, but he's pretty predictable. He always moves in, um, doesn't have a great feints. He mostly like gets takedowns because of the base. Uh, I think Aldo can afford to defend takedowns early because um, I don't think Meravi is going to surprise him with the shoot, but... But my my question is if Aldo is, will be able to keep defending the takedowns uh, later in the fight. I think uh, Aldo is a very good grappler, but I think he's kind of... Even in his prime, he was kind of content of just laying in his back once he got, like, flat there. We saw him staying on, on his back against, like, even Ricardo Lamas in the fifth round of their fight. Um, so that would be pretty bad news Mirav, not the best at uh holding people down, but at this stage uh that makes me pretty nervous oh um, my so what are your takes on this one i I don't
1: really have a lot else to add because I think you've covered most of the bases yeah, I talked too much sorry uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> no that's okay it doesn't matter I'll make up for it later um so so the thing with um this one is like i i think Bottom line is we know Aldo's not the athlete he used to be. A lot of the responses and decision making isn't there. But you see the fundamental ideas are still there. Behind the jab, the counters, the basic like ideas of, oh, okay, you're you're resetting. Practically speaking, I can hit you. Oh, I should hit you in the body to slow you down. I should keep my jab out here to keep doing stuff. Oh, you're focusing on this. I'll counter you. Like, Aldo's always been, like, the master of, like, thinking about practical decisions. And it, even still at his old age, he's still putting a lot of guys to shame with that. Um, so, I think... Uh, and even against, like, Munoz and Font, he still showed, like, he's utilizing more throwaways to kind of help him control the pace when he can't kill them um, outright. Just enough to, like, survive or, like, slow it down to something that'll help him. I think... The thing with Marab is, like, mirab's tools on the feet are very extraneous. As in, he doesn't do a lot. He kind of just throws things to be active, but there's not a lot of cohesion between them. And ultimately, the goal is, like, he's looking for that level change. So, he's willing to throw and force a pace to create those tie-ups or situations. The problem is, he'll inevitably have to exit those especially off the center line, and that's where he gets caught, which is how Marius basically nearly killed him twice. Um, and how he usually gets consistently caught on the counter. The So the one thing with Aldo here is um, just the one the one wrestling issue Aldo has always had is that he could be clinched and stalled against the fence sometimes. And so font success creating the level changes to some chain wrestling. Kind of indicates that possible issue of stalling, if anything else, from Mirab, But um, if Aldo shows some of the conditions that he had against Fonten, especially Munoz, I think this is going to be a really tough fight for Murab.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, it's concerning for Aldo, but we've seen the tools. And and also, like, we have not seen, like, Mirab fight... Uh, win this kind of fight, like, against someone that because one thing is that Murabo usually like his activity pays off because he gets people like to cover up or or to back out but but Aldo has the footwork to avoid that like Murab will enter in a straight line and Aldo will pivot with a hook and make him like walk straight through him. Um, Murab will have trouble like getting Aldo like just to put on the high guard and not do anything and I think that will be very telling of how the fight is going to go. I think uh, Merav uh, got to look like a dangerous fighter on his last fight, but I don't think that's him. Um, he he mostly just has finishes against like very overmatched people, um, mm-hmm. people that are willing to grapple with him. And I think the the thing with Aldo is that he puts many barriers that he he won't have the chance to, to wrestle like one on one with Aldo and that's what he wants. Um this is a risky pick I think but but I'm picking Aldo by decision actually. I, I think Miraf has obviously a, a pretty clear uh path to victory here. Uh if he gets the fight long in and and even he can land like an overhand on open space because Aldo doesn't have the reactions that he used to but the thing is that Mirab is too predictable, and and even if he, like, takes a third round, I don't think Aldo's going to lose that one. Like, I, I feel like Aldo has the tools to at least win the first two rounds pretty yeah. convincingly. Uh, he will probably hurt Mirab at one point, uh, maybe to the body. Uh, so, yeah. I mean, it's I'm pretty scared because I'm a big Aldo fan and I want him to win, but... But I'm picking him to win, like with with a cold mind here. I think Aldo by decision is my pick. You know, uh, jo-
1: Jose Aldo is the kind of fighter who has consistently surprised us over and over again. Um, and I-, I do think his last two fights have been guys who are like conceptually and process wise tougher than this matchup. So I-, I do get people's concern that like. This might be the one where he finally, finally, like slows down just enough that, like, oh, you can get to him. But I'm not about the sadness hinge until I
0: see it. So yeah, I'm also taking Aldo by decision. Let's go. So Co Main, we're moving to middleweight, and it's the battle of the honks. It's Paulo Costa versus Luke Rockhold. What's your initial rate then? Um, so,
1: Costa's bread and butter is an interplay between his lead hand to, um, rear side body shots, and that's especially helpful for him against Southpaws. His rear body kick against Southpaws is typically his best shot offensively and defensively. Uh, he's a f- insane physical tank, fights astonishingly well, tired, can push, like, an unbelievable pace, and is terrifying in terms of attritional damage costa's problems though is that like he's very flummoxed flummoxed by uh, active fainters and someone with a very very prevalent active jab and that he has like no defensive ring craft and his bottom game is basically just like non-existent um and then for some reason he'll just forget to like throw his rear hand or his lead hand sometimes i don't really know what's up with that but um but yeah when, when he's able to push forward and really work the body, like he feels his way into things and he's pretty dangerous. Um Rockhold Rockhold here hasn't fought in years, so who knows. I think the thing about Rockhold is um Rockhold always had a strength at distance when he could attack the body too. Ooh, um and he did show some use of the jab as his career goat went on but he was often better on the counter when he could like throw check hooks so that kind of relies upon the other guy coming in on him which i'm not too sure costas is the kind of guy who leaps in as more so like sets his feet and just hits um against blokovitz before he got killed in transition like he showed some decent like punching off of his kicks to like get blokovitz to the fence for the clinches the thing is like and then obviously rockhold like possibly still has one of the most terrifying top games ever um the problem is like he doesn't exactly like have a lot of tools on the feet to really like set things up for that or to really help his game too much he he's very meat and potatoes ish as a striker he's just dynamic and powerful so he's very stiff on the center line can really be cracked hard and I mean as soon as you recognize his go-to defense is a check hook or a hop step back, he's um he's pretty vulnerable. So, I think here Rockhold being old has some problems here, but I think if Rockhold can and kick back with Costa and force some of the same clinch setups that maybe like Marvin Vittori did, things could get interesting but he's probably at a risk of getting severely bonked or, like, out-athleted here by
0: the younger guy. So it's kind of a hard fight to pick Rockhold in. Yeah, I mean, the DH especially. I mean, this sounds like a bad matchup on paper, even for, like, prime look. But, but I mean, if there's, like... uh, in the current landscape of the middleweight division, if there's one guy that is a more terrifying body kicker than Costa, that's Rockhold, right? Yes. <laughs> and and Rockhold has the advantage of being the southpaw, so he's kicking it straight into the liver. So there's avenues there. Um, Costa uh, keeps composure when he's getting kicked, but he doesn't have a lot of tools to deal with kicks. Um, he mostly like uh, dissuades the kicks with the pressure. Uh, he convinced uh, Uriah Hall to not kick him, um, just staying on his face. But then he had to deal with the jab. Uh, as you said, Luke developed a jab late in, into his career. Uh, interesting to see how that looks because he's training under Jason Perillo and Perillo has been pretty good about <clears throat> teaching all fighters how to box. Um. He got both Bisping and RDA, like, super late into their careers and taught them a lot of useful stuff. Um, Yeah, Rockhold, uh, the problem with Rockhold always is going to be that he doesn't have the wrestling to, to make use of one of the scariest top games of all time in MMA. And I'm not sure Costa is the kind of guy that it's going to end up like in a scramble with him uh costa seems very disciplined about uh about getting distance and sprawling at the at the most minimum like uh hint of a takedown and he's a like, monster athlete both guys are but probably at this stage costa is the 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 more imposing athlete just because he's younger um, if this was like prime versus prime, this should be very interesting. But it's so hard to trust uh, Rockhold at this stage. I mean, he's thirty-seven years old. His last fight uh, was three years ago, and he looks super bad. I mean, he he showed some stuff in the Blažević fight, but physically he looks uh, he looks super slow. Obviously, that was, like, a very heavy rock hole. He showed up at, like, heavyweight, weighing, like, a lot. But but still, like, not a good look. Uh, because prime rock hole was so quick, mobile, agile. Uh, those are things that I'm not sure he has anymore. Um, hopefully he does, and this is a good fight, but it's so hard to trust. Uh, Costa, Costa, on the other hand, uh, physically look... Pretty good against Petori despite that he showed up like super overweight. <laughs> and he would that fight also at like heavyweight. And I think Costa looked better than Rockhold by a good margin. Um, Rockhold could have some avenues here with the jab, with the body kicks. And even with the check hook, I mean as you said, Costa liked to set his feet. But but maybe if Rockhold, like uh flusters him with uh, with the kicks and with the and with the hop steps. Uh Costa might be like uh pressured into into blitzing. So there's some stuff for Rockhold to do but overall, especially against an old Rockhold, this looks like a very bad matchup. I gotta pick uh Costa by first round knockout.
1: Yeah I'll take first round or second round. Rockhold might give him some looks with the kicks at distance, but probably, yeah, it, it, you you're kind of have to see things to believe it, you know? Yeah. So, um, I, I guess that leads us to our main event uh, for the welterweight title at 170. Um, the champion, Kamara Usman, is having a rematch with uh, basically the guy who's technically been, like, kind of the unspoken of number one contender for a while, Leon Edwards. Um... I wouldn't say this fight is, like, something to be super excited about, but it is incredibly interesting to talk about. So, at at least for me. So, I think, um, starting with, um, basically both guys are pretty good fighters, but they're the kind of fighters who are, I I don't know the nice way of saying this, they're not as good as they should be due to certain quirks or, like, habits they have. And th- the good parts of their fight, however, are going to blend well together in this one. But their little habits are probably also going to be pretty prevalent as well. So, I-, I think a good place to start is fight one. And generally, like, the best way to describe fight number one is, like, both guys are kind of up in their development stages. And um, Usman kind of, like is able to enforce a pace on that fight enough and, like, stay in Leon's face, forcing the clinch against the fences, t- getting takedowns to the fences, exploits Edwards's, um kind of tendency to back himself up back then. Um, Edwards, however, does give a lot of surprises in the clinch and transitions, drawing Usman into counters and, like, being able to figure out clinches as they go on. So... Some of those dynamics, I think, are going to happen again in this fight and are important. But I do think a few things have changed. Um, but before we do that, Fenyo, do you have some things to interject or add? No, I mean,
0: uh, I agree with what <coughs> what you're saying. Uh, I think one thing to consider is that uh, I think uh, Leon, uh, from their first fight, um, looks like a, like an undeveloped version of the same fighter. I think Usman has gone through a, a pretty large transformation since those days. It was pretty clear that early career Usman was looking to pressure and enforce the wrestling. I'm not sure if he doesn't trust the wrestling as hard anymore, uh, maybe because of injuries and age. Um, but Usman has adopted this like more of a of a neutral, neutral space fighter that... That finds uh, clinches and, go, and will go for takedowns in the clinch, but it's not like this pressure wrestler that he used to be. Uh, Leon, on the other hand, is like a a way more refined version of the same fighter that we saw in the first fight. Like the ideas are the same, but it's clear that he has like a more a more coherent game put together. I mean, not a more coherent, like the the ideas are the same, but he has more depth of a skill and he's better the, the one thing is that he's a lot better in transition, he always had an act to find like strikes in transitions or moments but I think um, he has a better understanding on of how transition works nowadays and I think that would be very helpful against the uh, the current version of Usman that, that likes to likes to operate like slowly from face to face uh, he's not like this like Uh, base wrestler that will push you back to the fence and try to get the takedown. What do you think about that? So, I, uh, but before I talk about, like, Usman, I I think it's good
1: we talk about kind of how Leon Edwards has developed first, because I think sometimes Edwards, Edwards, I think, is really, really good, but I think he's also very frustrating would be a good word to describe him, because, so Edwards' whole game is he's about precision, He's very methodical. He likes to take his time and fight at a set pace. Um, and I think many people kind of look at Leon and go, this guy is risk aversive. The, oh, and, and I see why, But I, and I thought so originally, but then I took a closer look at him. And I think a better word for Leon Edwards, uh, sorry, term, would be, I think he's a conservative opportunist. And what I mean by that is, Edwards himself likes to stay like in front of guys a lot. And Edwards's game is he likes to draw fire and defend behind his lead hand to set up like check hooks or counter one-twos, especially the one-two. He he's also um more about like picking up things as the opponent like resets or counters and punishing that in little phases. But he doesn't give them a lot of feints back. He's mostly just like I'm going to wait till you do something, and then I'm going to commit to punishing you for it, or look for something else. So his his best performance is um, definitely the RDA win because it showed um, him on the reactive back foot and playing with like transitions with the clinch. If RDA came in, like he used his clinch as a smothering tool more as his more his clinch in a bit. But the, the thing about Leon is um is he's all about like drawing those little like errors and then punishing them accordingly, I feel. Where Leon gets more interesting, though, is, like, when he can play with the transitions, especially the clinch in wrestling. He loves to smother with his clinch. He loves to, like, body lock into, like, the takedowns. Um, and especially likes to take the back once he gets to the ground. His clinch is, um, all about, like, dipping, um, and putting his shoulder adjacent to their chest to create, um, smotherers. He likes to bicep control with the overhooks as well. Um, when he fought Usman, who was capable in the clinch, he kind of used collar ties to kind of fight them back to control their head and create breaks for elbows. I mean, where he's best at with the clinch is when he's able to create those breaks to and carve them up with that. And you see some, like, really clever setups he does, such as a sweep to collar tie elbow, a step in knee to a body lock, a one-two to a collar tie knee. And those kinds of things make Edwards really, really dangerous. The the problem with Edwards is that he consistently is... His sense of initiative seems to be based upon what his opponent is doing. And it means that he's going to often kind of concede to a pace where he's not doing a whole lot. uh, Until they kind of force it out of him a bit more. And so... So it kind of leads to situations where he's not as overwhelming or really showing off, like, his full toolbox as much as he should. And it also means little habits start to build up to problems. And I think a couple of Edwards's problems is... The most obvious is that he doesn't... He likes to stand his ground and counter as opposed to resetting, which means he gets backed up against the fence. And if, basically, this current, like, version of Nate Diaz can get you to the fence... That's going to be an issue against Kamara Usman. Um, the The other issue is Edwards' um, is reliance upon like standing his ground. Is he really, really does love to pull or dip at an adjacent angle when he throws his rear hand, and that means like he's open when he throws it and overextending because his foot will come up, and it means he gets caught on the counter so much on that. So I think. There's a lot of cool aspects to how Edwards' game works, but there's a little, there's a bunch of little quirks here or there that make it kind of easy to take advantage of it. Where Usman um, comes in is... Um, so Usman is at his best, period, when he's clinching opponents against the fence. As far as his clinch goes, it's more organically kind of sound than um, Edwards' is. It just doesn't work as well in transitions because Usman for whatever reason, struggles to, like, get to the clinch. Now, why he why he doesn't learn to, like, have some transitional, like, striking into the clinch would do, like, huge, huge wonders for his game, but Usman's Usman's thing, in a nutshell to me, is I think Usman has always had a weird sense of initiative or cohesion to his game. Because once he kind of figures something out, like, he's very good at improvising a way to force it, But then, like, he sort of struggles to figure out the next step or to really build upon it until he kind of stumbles upon it. So, oh, pressure Usman kind of for a while, like, really enforced, like, some kicks. But that kind of thing is kind of gone. And you see him working behind the jab a lot more. And, like, when he's kind of, when he doesn't jab or kick, he's incredibly passive at distance until he gets countered and then resets. So, Usman does like to pot shot with his jab, and his jab's pretty good, for the most part. The, the problem is, when, especially early, it's very easy to predict that that's what he's going to do to try to build momentum. And that's how Burns decked him. The, the other thing about Usman's striking is that he, he he's very prone to, like, since he's, like, one or two strikes at a time, he's pretty easy to time on the counter. Um, and so, there's just a lot of really, really weird things about Usman's whole game that doesn't make sense to me, but he kind of disguises it by being physically overwhelming, fights with a sense of fearlessness still, and he's decently good at improvising, and obviously his clinching gas tank are pretty insane,
0: so there's a lot of little things to talk about in this fight here, I'd say. Yeah, it's... It's very interesting uh one thing that that i want to talk to you touch upon o- about leon is that um leon uh, is a fighter that i think doesn't realize that works better when he has the initiative um he had some aggressive moments against nadias against belal mohammed even against Gunnar nelson when he was like creating the the moments that he wanted and he got to look like super good in those but, but then he defaults uh, to just waiting a lot. Um, he's he's not like a, an inert fighter when he's waiting. Like he he likes the hand fight. He has the the feints, but he's still he's still not like taking a, a very like big hold of the initiative. And Usman, on the other hand, is even in today's incarnation like the the Trevor Whitman Usman it's all about like getting initiative that's where he shines so that's a, an interesting dynamic there um i think leon is probably the the fighter that is better prepared to deal with usman's jab um obviously where he will have the hand fighting from Southpaw, but if usman himself goes uh, Southpaw, um i think leon's uh right hook could be trouble for Usman too. Uh, but uh, I think Usman being a big hitter and having now this more safe option with the jab from both stances and uh, the proactivity, I think those are the, the things that will will give uh, Leon the most trouble. What do you think about that?
1: Yeah, I, I think like... Um the, the big question for this fight is weirdly, like, both guys, like, initiative, because, like, Leon Leon is good out of the gate, but he kind of concedes again to, like, I prefer to, like, counter and wait till you make mistakes and then punish that as his way of building. And then, oh, I'll transition from here when I can. Whereas Usman's kind of like, I kind of have to, I, I'm not too sure what to do yet, but I'll figure it out. And then, oh, this worked oh, that worked, keep doing that, oh, I got punished for that, don't do that too much anymore, kind of thing, and that that creates a lot of weird things, so, the fact that this is a rematch might be a little interesting, to see if Usman pushes for, like, really punishing, like, the space that Leon sees and can get him to that fence, where Usman's clinch, like, really, really works, because he likes to control grips and then, like, smothering them, Um. The, the thing is, Usman's clinch, like, one of his bigger problems is that he's vulnerable when you can create breaks. Um, Masvidal showed you could do that. Um, and, and there's no doubt Leon Edwards probably could, too. Um, so, I think another thing with both these guys, interestingly, that they struggle with is, like, I don't think either guy is great with kickers. And yet, like, neither guy has experienced, like, guys who have kicked a lot with them. Especially yep. Edwards. So it, it's kind of going to be interesting if, like, Usman finally decides to, like, kick off of his jab and vice versa. Because I think that would make huge difference. Like, um, I think, I, I think transitions from Edwards is going to be a bit of a problem for Usman. But I can see Usman being bullshit strong and really good in the clinch himself being a bit of an issue, too. Unless Leon can separate quickly. So there's a lot of weird things going on in this fight like little habits little intangibles like pace pressure distance composure little defensive habits here or there like it's i have no idea how to predict this one to be honest but it's certainly interesting
0: yeah i mean um some interesting tools for either side i i would say uh, leon should be, shouldn't be shy about, uh, clinching in open space. Obviously against the cage is a bad idea, but if he goes for like the quick, uh, clinches in transitions and try to land something and deep out, I think that's totally fine. Uh, the head kick that he showed against, uh, Belal Mohamed, I would, I would say do that a lot on this one. Um, Usman, Defends a lot of head kicks with just one hand. You never know when one of those is going to land hard. Uh, and also, like keeps Usman like standing upright. Uh, that will limit his clinch entries and his options. Um, from Usman's side, I would say give the southpaw uh, jab a chance. Um, low kicks. I think the that. That uppercut to the body that Usman has um, will come in handy on this one, but he should be careful. Uh, Oh, I
1: I do want to bring up Usman's rear hand real quick. So Usman's rear hand is also really weird because like he um, is one of his go to defenses in the pocket is he likes to dip near his adjacent leg so he can set up that shovel hook to the body, which is great. But he always like throws this bizarre overhand counter right too. And, like, it's curved when he throws it, so, like, he often loses his stance and gets countered off of that. And it's really funny, because if you watch Usman Edwards, too, their, like, rear-hand dynamics play against each other, even back then. And uh, I'll I'll leave it to you to find out which one won that (laughs) dynamic. But basically, um... But, yeah, I I think Usman's, like, counter body shots, especially when he busts them out, are super important here. Because, like... I don't think Edwards is really, like... Edwards does have pretty active, like, parries to the head, but, like, he, he resets so much once he gets out that why anyone isn't attacking his body is kind of maddening to me. Um, Almost as much as the kicks. But, yeah, I think... I, I think this is going to be pretty interesting if, like... I, I personally believe Edwards is going to look better out of the gate but as things go on, I can see Usman kind of figuring things out and forcing that pace and making this kind of tough. But Edwards, in his own way, is pretty good at figuring things out, too. So, I have no idea. Like, it's it's weird, but it's interesting.
0: Yeah, it's it's a very interesting fight. It's It's the best fight you can make at the division. Like, um... Uh... I think, uh, yes, Edwards will probably have a better showing on this one than in the first one. I think he has better tools to avoid uh, Usman's strong points. And I think uh, Usman adaptations has made uh, has made him a better fighter, but has made this particular matchup a bit more complicated than mm-hmm. when he was pressuring back yep. then. Um, despite that, I think uh, it is... Uh, Usman has two factors that I think uh, make him in his way, and those are the the proactivity. Like Usman, it's going to be the guy that will be doing stuff most of the fight, and the other one is that he has the he has the X factor of the top control. Like clearly, Edwards doesn't want to be there, and that's like one thing that will make him like uncomfortable during the fight that Usman will not have to deal with. And I think that's like the big equalizer that wrestlers have, especially in rematches when they already had success with that area. Um, Other than that, I think Edward is like he's better equipped for the matchup this time around, as I said, Um, has the tools. Um, If he fought like a little bit out of character with a more aggressive style, and, and took like chances, bad chances in like in very particular uh, places. For example, in the open space clinches, as I said earlier, I think he has a pretty good chance of winning. Um, Usman has moments on the defense where he falls apart, and but also like Edwards not being like a huge finisher like might bite him on his ass. On this one, because I can see, like, a head kick landing, Usman doing the chicken dance, and Edwards not knowing how to close yeah, well, the show.
1: Well, one really, really interesting tidbit about this fight, because of both guys' defensive habits, is that both guys could probably get hurt in this fight.
0: Yeah, I, would, it's I wouldn't I would be surprised if we see both doing the stanky leg. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think it's time to, to make a pick. I, you get to go first, because I will... Okay. Probably. Um, I want Leon Edwards to win, but... uh, If I'm being honest with myself, I think uh, Usman, by decision, is, is most likely. Hmm.
1: Yeah, I'm... Um, I, I think, like, we've broken down kind of the little things that, like, kind of make us lean both ways. I mean, Usman did win the first fight, but we are looking at different things here. Yeah. I think... I I think, like, your points about, like, um... I I, I feel like Usman's, like, biggest thing here is, um... One of the things that got to Leon in Fight 1 was pace. Now, Usman not being super proactive about that pace, like, anymore is kind of a problem here. But he is still pretty proactive, even if he is really awkward about it and can get tagged early for it. So, I can... That that's kind of something that I think you will need to punish Edwards for, because although Edwards does have a great hair trigger for punishing little things, and Usman is going to give him a lot of little things to pick at, Edwards also doesn't throw out a lot of, like, initiative things, such as rangefinders, consistently enough for me to, like, be super confident in his victory, though I, I don't think either of us would be surprised to see Edwards, like, pull some things off. Here. Um, I think this will definitely be competitive, um, probably very interesting as it goes along. It might end up being kind of pretty exciting at some points. It might also be really, really weird or a car crash mess. Who knows? Um, but yeah, I I, I kind of struggle to logically um, pick against, uh, sorry, Usman here. But fuck it, I'll take a chance. I'll take Edwards by
0: decision. Yeah. I'm good with that. I'm good. But yeah, yeah. Um, If not very exciting, this should be very interesting. And, yes. and who knows? Like, title fights get crazy sometimes. Maybe we get a, a very exciting one here. You never know.
1: Yeah, it's, it's surprising because I didn't expect to say that a few months ago. But here we are. But I wouldn't get your hopes up. These two are weird. These two are weird, but but they are good fighters. They are good fighters. They're just also frustrating and not as good as they should be.
0: Yeah. I think that's. They have potential to be better for sure, but there, there, there are some mental things that fighters sometimes have tr- trouble like uh, breaking. But but either way, like this should be fun. Uh, the mm-hmm. event it's pretty good, has some weird moments close to the main event, but but overall I think it's good. Um, uh, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I think it's fine. I think it's passable. Yeah, I'm okay with this. I mean like a like a whole watching experience even though there's like a million fights in here. A lot of them are surprisingly compelling. Even like the bad ones are like well matched up, so I'm okay with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I got nothing else to say. Um what about you? No, that's it. Um talk talk to people about our Patreon, please. Why do I have to do it? Okay. Um i always have to do it okay
1: (laughs) so so yeah we we have a patreon we might be reworking a couple of things right now but um if you contribute a minimum three dollars to it um there are tiers of it but basically you're contributing to help us um have some financial like time to do this set aside money um which is helpful for like some of us um i there is news recently if you haven't heard um One of our colleagues, Iggy, is currently in a um, bit of a personal situation where he is trying to get out of his native country. Because otherwise, the very, very short version of saying this is that his consequences either be homeless or possibly conscripted into an army and killed. And so all um, Patreon payments right now are going to him right now until he gets some financial stability so your contributions would really really help um and if other than that just supporting our work so we all can keep doing this um and keep our our hopes just to provide different perspectives alive kind of in this whatever like you know um but but it's a minimum of three dollars it's not a lot but every little bit helps um even outside of our just like day jobs, it's a good like distraction, and we enjoy doing this.
0: So I think that's it. Uh, please help if you can, and, and yeah, if you check our Twitter's, we have more information about that. If you want to know, uh, if you want to support the the Fight Side Project uh, for any reason, you can do it through Patreon. We are very grateful if you do. And until next time, uh, this was Fenya with Dan, the full preview podcast. Goodbye. And we'll see you in hell.